Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. TheraWorks Relief is available over-the-counter in over 30,000 pharmacies across the country, and you don't need a prescription. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. In this episode, you'll hear from a pharmacist who understands the niche that pharmacy plays as the medication experts. Sue Paul knew the value of a pharmacist and brought that to physician offices, nursing homes, and others to quarterback patients' medication. You'll learn how she took a risk with limited business skills, but found a business coach who helped her grow her business. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Sue Paul, is the president and founder of Synergy Consulting. Sue is a pharmacist, entrepreneur, and small business owner with over 20 years experience in the industry. She is following a non-traditional path by assisting physicians in managing chronic disease state medications, implementing pharmacogenetic testing and analysis for complicated patients, and compiling current medication lists for their patients. She enjoys educating clients on all aspects of medication, uh, medication, which empowers them to take control of their health. Current work sites include physician offices, nursing homes, employer groups, independent drugstores, and in-home patient visits. We are very excited. Sue, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks for having me. Well, now that our listeners have heard just a little about your background, maybe you can fill in some gaps from that intro and maybe share a little bit about your personal life. Okay. So I've been a pharmacist, as you said, for over 20 years. And um, in that time, I've been in several different settings. I spent time mostly in nursing homes and retail pharmacy, both independent and big box. And I just kept seeing a disconnect and kept wondering, if a pharmacist had gotten to these residents at the nursing home, prior to their admission, they may not need this level of care. You know, why are we going to them after they're already requiring that level of care? And that thought just kept going through my head for the 16 years I was in the nursing homes and reviewing charts. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, they may, if we had gotten rid of this medicine, they may not need to be here. So, um, then I added hospital to my repertoire and a Coumadin clinic and kept seeing the same issues and it just seemed to explode. And then with more and more providers and specialists and, the, and um, um, decreasing the role of the primary care physician, where the, it didn't seem like anyone was quarterbacking the medications any longer. And so these patients are going to specialist after specialist, having more medications added on, and as I and more and more pharmacies. You know, you used to go to a pharmacy, and 
one pharmacy until they started offering uh, $10 coupons or whatever to switch pharmacies mm-hmm. or free prescriptions at a pharmacy so that, oh, let's go here and get those. And then we're going to go there for that. And then we're going to go there because they have delivery. Um, so nobody was quarterbacking the meds anymore. And it just kept running through my mind. And I, I thought, boy, somebody should do something about that. Well, um, while I was at the hospital, I offered to create a transition of care program. And this was probably five, six years ago. And um, the hospital system told me that they didn't really want my services. And so I decided to go ahead and do it myself. It really wasn't a good time. My third child was headed to college. So we were going to have three kids in college at the same time uh, out of four. And I'm the main breadwinner. But the the call was loud that something needed to be done. So I just kind of started going down this path of that nobody's really been down before and, and thrashing my way through it. And it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I started in patients' homes, uh, helping them, especially after a transition of care, hospitalization, where I would help them take the bag of medications that they received from the hospital discharge and the bag of medications that they already had at home and just kind of put all that together and sift through it and come up with a plan to send to their uh, doctor, usually their primary care physician. And uh, realized I didn't have too many business skills. So I went through a business incubator and I got a business coach and Um, Those two things really helped me fill in the gaps that I didn't have that I think they do a better job in pharmacy schools now teaching some business aspects. But when I was going through school, we really didn't hardly have any at all. While I was going through that program, the one business incubator, my uh, SCORE mentor, I'm a big fan of SCORE, which offers free mentorship to uh, small businesses. Oh, neat. They said, yes, uh, it's S-C-O-R-E dot org, okay. score.org. They mentioned, hey, you have a very inefficient model, which I did. <laughs> Why don't you, <laughs> bank robbers go to the bank because that's where the money is. Why don't you go to the doctor's office because that's where the patients are. And a light went off and I created my business plan to be able to do that. And I pitched it at a couple places and was able to get in. And now it's wonderful. And I do that three days a week um, at a physician's office who has, they have five sites. I'm at three of the sites. The other two are school-based health centers. And then the rest of the time I'm um, working on my other businesses that have kind of grown organically out of this. Um, The doctor's office allowed me to implement pharmacogenetic testing while I was at the hospital, all the cardiologists were pre- prescribing Effian and Berlenta. And I'm like, why aren't they prescribing Plavix? These people are coming back the next month with $87 copays. They can't, they don't want to afford this. Most of the people are Medicare and that have limited fixed incomes. And so I went out and I found a pharmacogenetic lab that would uh, do the swabs and help me with the billing and tried to implement it at the cardi- cardiovascular center at the hospital and 
they were not comfortable with that. That was five, six years ago. But when I had the opportunity at the doctor's office, what was happening is people would come in for mental health issues and won't and it currently can't get into a psychiatrist for probably six, at least six to nine months, six months if it's an emergency. So the primary care is the physician who generally starts them on a medication, antidepressant, antipsychotic, depending on what's going on with the patient. So I was able to implement pharmacogenetic testing there, and that has really improved our patient care and our patient satisfaction, patient medication adherence and compliance, and the physicians prescribing. And uh, it's wonderful because I'm able to use my medication knowledge to educate the physicians about the medicines that they aren't very familiar with. I get to educate the patients on what the expectations can be about how this medication can affect them, what the side effects can be, how long it should take to kick in. And so I'm being, I'm able to use all the skills that I've developed through the years, through all those different, you know, experiences. And uh, I'm really able to uh, serve in a way that really, I feel helps the patients. And and they say that it does too. In fact, we've had lots of patients refer other patients to us. Because we yeah. do this type of thing. Well, Sue, uh-huh. that was really helpful to learn a bit more. I'm going to try to back up a little bit. So, because uh, it, it, it's so exciting, uh, it's not too often that you see a founder behind a pharmacist's name. So, hearing about your entrepreneurial journey is really helpful. About how many years ago were you pioneering? you know, just feeling this call to start doing uh, something outside the box and start providing more consulting services around uh, medication? Probably the, it really got serious about eight years ago. Um, Like I said, I'd been hearing that, kept thinking that constantly in the nursing home. If I got into this person <laughs> before they got here, they may not need this level of care. So the voice was all re- always there, and <laughs> I'm not crazy, I promise. But you know, it was always that thought was always there in the back of my mind. And then when I added the hospital on, that's really when it kicked into overdrive, and I thought I really need to do something about this. Um, with the readmission rates skyrocketing and most of those being due to adverse drug reactions, I thought, you know, pharmacists can really take the lead here and help these hospital systems and help these patients. It's really all about the patient. And I think the patient gets forgotten a lot in this oh, current yeah, healthcare absolutely. system. But, you know, a lot of people might be saying, oh, wow there is such a big need for pharmacy, but you took that leap of faith and persisted and, you know, pursued these opportunities. Uh, You know, it's always a little risky, but you took the right steps and, and got a business coach and, and sought after mentoring. And I, and I agree with you. I, I would say that my business skills, 
first coming out of school were a little limited, but I've really worked on refining those here in the past few years and the different roles that I've been able to be in. But um, that is, it's really exciting to, to see pharmacists who take on those entrepreneurial opportunities. But really, uh, you hit the nail on the head because pharmacy is so critical, especially with these transitions of care there. I mean, we should not have patients who are leaving the hospital and going into, uh, you know, returning to their home or long-term care facilities or other places without a really good, you know, they get their, their, all these discharge prescriptions and the gap is not closed. So you've really been able to uh, help fill those gaps and and meet that need there. And hopefully others uh, are seeing that opportunity and, and replicating that to help improve that process across the country. I certainly hope so. I would be happy to share what I know with those because whoever, you know, there's plenty of room for all of us to be able to have a hand in this. Well, I will ask make a difference. for uh, you to share your contact or information or how to how to connect with you maybe at the, the end of the episode. So for people listening and, and want to learn more about your story and what you've been able to do with Synergy. Um, so share a little bit, you know, maybe I'm, I might not be uh, as up to speed um, with all the specifics on the pharmacogenetic testing. So so why it, would it be so important to get the genetic testing for, you know, to demonstrate the value of Plavix or the generic clopidogrel versus the Berlinta or Effiant? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, so Plavix goes through um, the cytochrome P450 enzyme 2C19 and it's a prodrug, so it's if it's not converted to its active form, it's not going to help that patient who's had just recently had a stent placed. And so what I found out through educating myself was that about 30% of the population had a variant in that uh, in the metabolism of CYP2C19. And so I don't know why the doctors went to the higher cost medications, but I would imagine it's because 30% of their patients failed Plavix. And if you're having 20 to 30% fail or have another event because the medication mm-hmm. isn't being converted to its active form, mm-hmm. then you're going to go with the newer agents. Well, you know, probably six years ago, I did a cost analysis of the medications cost the higher, the Effiant and Berlinta versus the cost of pharmacogenomic testing plus a year worth of uh, Plavix. And it was much less to do the genetic testing and do the Plavix. Another thing that helps, once the patients know, you cannot take this less expensive medication because it's not going to work for you. Once they understand the why of why we have to prescribe this $300 plus a month medication, I know that's not what it costs them, but their copays are generally a higher tier. They're more, they, they t- seem to understand, but just to even have somebody sit down and tell them why 
they're on this medication, how it works and that type of thing. Um, really improves yeah. their compliance so, to the medication. So how would you say you've been really successful in approaching physicians uh, and maybe other groups about partnering with them? Hmm. Well, I'm more, I'm success. That's funny. Successful. Um, yes, I have convinced some people into contracting with my services, but most of the time they are not so willing. Fortunately, we passed some providers leave. And so that opportunity opens more doors. Um, so it's kind of grown organically. The first practice that I was able to contract with was looking for a pharmacist and they had, um, they were, they just got it. And so that's what helped. Um, the relationships there were, uh, good. Um, I actually contracted initially through, um, a pharmacy service that did nursing homes, long-term care. And they had this relationship with this, um, physician's office. And so, uh, it just worked out right. well. And I know that a lot of I'm times relationships I'm play still there. A, a huge um, role into whether a partnership works out or not. And so having those existing relationships or just being persistent and, and being there to answer questions and, you know, maybe it's not the first time that you show up and knock on the door, but maybe it's the second or third or, fourth or fifth time, or you, you take those opportunities, as you mentioned, whenever there's a change in leadership and are able to represent uh, your solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Sue, exactly. you're also involved in mm -hmm. metapreneurs. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, it's been quite a journey of um, personal growth, for sure. Metapreneurs was started uh, myself and Anna Garrett, who's in Asheville, North Carolina, and Michelle Fritch in Maryland. And Anna and I had met, we had the same business mentor. And so what if, and we were the only pharmacists in the group. And to be honest, on my journey, getting outside of pharmacy, networking outside of pharmacy with other people who I had to really explain clearly what I was trying to do because they weren't pharmacists and they didn't just get it really helped me hone my uh, vision and clarity and get really clear on what I was trying to do because I'm explaining it to um, non-medical people. Uh, and I think that was really a great step in what I had to do. But Anna and I would get together and try and break through barriers of our own. Um, she's got her own company, Dr. Anna Garrett. And then she introduced me to Michelle Fritch, who was doing similar things as I and in Maryland. And so same thing. We, I, Hey, Michelle, have you ever run into this problem? And she'd say, oh, yeah, I did X, Y, and Z. And it was kind of that thing where we were becoming support for each other. And we started talking, hey, I wonder if there's other pharmacists out there doing this yeah, type of thing and who tribe. could use a tribe like this. And so we spent about two years creating Metapreneurs. We had our first conference this past April. 
We had 70 paid pharmacists come. Our speaker lineup was just awesome. We had it in Asheville, North Carolina, because mm-hmm. that, that was the home of the Asheville Project, kind of the modern day seed of entrepreneurialism in pharmacy. We had the uh, the guy who started the Asheville Project as one of our speakers. And so we also had um, Lisa Larder, who wrote From Pilot to Profit, so taking your pilot idea and making a profit out of it. Um, she was our keynote speaker. And so we, we attracted 70 pharma- paying pharmacists who came, and then of those 70, 50 awesome. have already signed up and paid for next year. So we're really looking forward to doing it again next April, uh, the 26th to the 28th. Um, we're going to limit it to 150 because we really, really liked the small, intimate, close atmosphere. I know I was able to talk to every person there one-on-one at least for five minutes each. So it was just exciting and, uh, yeah, it, it was not your father's, uh, pharmacy conference. That's for sure. That's what our keynote speaker said, or keynote or our top sponsor said, he's like, this yeah, is my that's, father's that's, pharmacy. That's uh, really, really <laughs> fascinating. Congratulations. And so if people wanted to find out more about that conference and, and it's more, is it's, it's focus on, uh, consulting or pharmacists who are doing entrepreneur things, or I guess, sorry, the name kind of speaks for itself, pharmacists or metapreneurs. Uh, yeah. So would that be the, the type of, of audience that would want to, or be interested in attending? Yes. Anyone who has out of the box thinking uh, thoughts. Um, I even had a couple, you know, people I went to college with who have been in the same job their whole career come just to support me, which God love them. And they left with ideas of things that they could do to enhance or embellish their current uh, job opportunities. So that to me was the most exciting and rewarding thing because I didn't, they weren't really our target market that we were going for. We were going more for people who entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, but when they left with ideas of things that they could do and next steps to be able to implement it and were excited about it, that's, that's that amazing. really hit home for me. Well, that was Sue, how do you stay current feeling. about what's going on so. in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field? So I pretty, pretty much stay uh, in tune with the pharmacy publications. Um, American Pharmacists Association is a great um, resource for that pharmacist letter. The docs have me researching stuff all the time. Um, constantly getting asked questions. Hey, can I put that med with this? And what would you add next? And, um, you know, and, and honestly, I consider myself the anti-pharmacist. Mm-hmm. I love getting people off medicines and making simple nutritional changes, um, educating people about, you know, simple things that they can do to get them off medication. 
even just cutting out salt. Um, so I've spent a, a lot of time and research trying to find alternate ways besides adding another medication. I think that's what pharmacists are good at, especially retail pharmacists, when everybody comes in and look at this rash and what can I do about this? Instead of giving them a medicine per se, you know, sometimes we can dig deeper without just, you know, suggesting another cream or a prednisone. Absolutely. Um, Looking at that holistic approach and nutrition too is so important. Well, Sue, what excites you about the future of pharmacy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything. Um, it's so broken right now, the, the healthcare system, that pharmacists can really play. Uh, I think we're the linchpin. I, I think we're going to come in if we're allowed to. Well, then it doesn't matter if we aren't. If you, If some people just take initiative and just come in and show what we can do, I mean, doctors are burnt out. They've got so much paperwork and reporting and boxes to click. And um, uh, mm-hmm. n- nobody looks at the patient in the eye anymore. Um, so I think pharmacists can really get in there. We are the medication experts. There's so many doctors prescribing or hospitals, you know, and formulary changes and insurance issues and people not getting, being able to get their medicine because it's not, it needs a PA and, you know, all these skills pharmacists have in their back pocket, most of them. Um, and then with the onslaught of the (laughs) silver tsunami, you know, the aging America where most of the population is growing older all the time, that just means more and more medications. And that's where pharmacists can really just kind of swoop in there and be able to help as a team between the patient, the provider, and the pharmacy. And just, you know, instead of being in all the silos, um, I think they're going to be that. I agree. I think pharmacists are generally pretty good collaborators. And you've described how you're kind of that, that uh, extra player position whenever you're working with the, the physician. So you're you know, doing a little research here, you know, look, doing this. And, uh, I think that, that pharmacists are really collaborative and we're really great at, uh, researching and, uh, you know, being able to, uh, provide that extra, um, view and to give that holistic approach. So yes, lots of exciting things in the future of pharmacy. So as our final question, could you share some advice that you would Mm -hmm. share with uh, yourself or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? I can. Um, Fear. You know, it's one of the the one thing that really holds us all back. I know it held me back for a while, but once you get on that other side of fear, and I'm sure you know this, Hillary, the rewards are so great, and really, you do survive. Um, It's just an illusion in our own minds, and that we really need to just break through it, get to the other side. That's such great advice, and do what we dream about. Exactly right. letting go and pursuing those dreams and 
shoot, I wouldn't even be doing a podcast if I had let fear of, of technology and some other things hold me back. Uh, well, Sue, it was so great to have you as a guest. Could you share uh, some ways that people might be able to get in contact with you before we go? Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, uh, Sue Paul, just search for me. Uh, you'll find me. And then, um, we, I have three websites. I have three businesses currently. Um, one is, uh, www.synergy that's S Y N E R X G Y.com. Um, the Metapreneurs Conference is www.metapreneurs, M-E-D-I-P-R-E-N-E-U-R-S.com. And then the third one I've just started, launched in um, April, it's educating pharmacists and providers about pharmacogenomics. And that website is www.pgx101.com. Um, we'll be having our first classes in September and we'll, we offer a two hour intro to pharmacogenomics and a 20 hour, uh, ACPE approved online Wonderful. and in person Well, Sue, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks for, thanks for having me. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And if you're a student or new grad or resident and you are struggling with student loans, I know the guys over at Your Financial Pharmacist, and they have put together an online course just for you. Uh, so head over to www.pharmacyadvisory.com slash student loan course to check that out. And if you're a pharmacist or pharmacy student and are interested in learning more about the natural products uh, supplements that are available and the emerging field of medical cannabis and how that relates to pharmacy, be sure to check out www.npr.center. We are the trusted source of information for reliable content, working with key thought leaders from across, across the country to bring that content to you, to help with any liability concerns and to help improve patient care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.